Well, welcome, church. Great to see you again, all of you online. Glad that you are with us. I uh, hope you've been enjoying your daylight saving time. Wakey, wakey, right? Some of you showed up to the 937 and went, oops, guess I'll stick around for the 11. No, just joking. It's great to be with you. Hey, one thing that you will notice as you grow closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ in church is that God will use their lives, their hearts, their gifts to bless and grow you. And the truth should be the same on the other end, that they should be blessed and encouraged and uh, having you use your heart and lives and gifts to help grow them closer in Christ. That's how God shaped the church, that we mutually encourage one another, grow one another closer in the way we are being shaped like Christ, and he uses our lives, our hearts, our gifts to do that. Uh, and, and so our Christian experience is really a, a, a bunch of memories of being in the community with people who've had that kind of impact on our life. Like I look back and there's been so many men and women in my life that God has used. Uh, one that stood out to me this week as I was thinking about uh, this, this message was a man named Tony. And I uh, got to meet Tony when I was a young man and, and went to church with him for you know, a couple decades as a young guy in ministry. And Tony and his wife, Lisa, were just an incredible couple. And they are just some of the most generous people I've ever met. He was a dentist in our hometown, and he, he never charged me and many others for dental work. It just was his gift to those in ministry and to a lot of his brothers and sisters in Christ. And so uh, that was a blessing for me because I inherited soft teeth. So I saw Tony a lot. Um, but but uh, he, he did that as a dentist once or twice a year. He would go with other dentists to another nation um, of poverty that had no ability for dental care and just serve, just, just fix people's mouths for like a week, you know, um, just that kind of life. Also, just back on the home front, just so generous with his resources, you know, inviting people over his home. He let the church have gatherings there. He led groups in his home there. He had a little uh, cabin in the woods. He had a little place in Hawaii. And he would let people stay there for free and just invite them to enjoy those spaces. And uh, he just was one of the most giving, generous guys I've ever met. I believe he had the spiritual gift of giving. I believe he has that. But also, I remember some of my conversations with Tony and many of them in his dentist chair, which is always awkward because, you know, they ask and you can't like, hey, how's the family? Blah, 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 you know, how's everything going? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, I don't know if you can really understand me or not, you know. Um, but we would talk about the Bible and faith and theology and life and the church. And then other times in the church context, we'd have these conversations. And one thing I remember Tony saying often is, well, I just believe God's going to, and he would fill in the blank. I just believe God's going to provide for that. I just believe God's going to heal that person. I just believe God's going to show up in this situation. And I believe that Tony also had the gift of faith. He just had this confidence that God was going to show up and do something. And so that, that, that's part of my formation as a believer in, in the Christian churches. I had men like Tony and, and women like Tony that, that, that rubbed off on me and I rubbed off on them. That's what it means to be in the community. So... Are you a person who's not only being impacted by others, but are you impacting others that way? Let me, let me ask it this way in three questions. And these are going to be three questions that we're going to look at several times in our time today. One is, do you know your spiritual gifting? Do you know your spiritual gifting? Secondly, are you using that gifting in ministry? Are you putting it to work? And thirdly, are you growing, and I would add, helping others grow because of it? And so we're, we're in this essential gospel series, 
And, and we're looking at the gospel, and we're looking at these truths of who Jesus is and what he did, and, and, and the work that Jesus did on the cross to restore us back to relationship with God. And, and that's great for the salvation of our souls, but we have to remember that the gospel is also how we grow in Christ. And so what we're really going to be rallying around today is this understanding that, that there's this healthy, gospel, mature understanding that God expects us to use the gifts that he's given us to grow each other in the church. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So with that, we're diving back into the book of Ephesians. So open your Bibles or uh, fire up your Bible apps to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to be in verses 7 through 16. And for those of you who might be guests or you haven't uh, been with us for a while, uh, the book of Ephesians is a great book. It's loaded with gospel content about the personal work of Christ. And God used a man in the Apostle Paul to write this letter to a bunch of Christians in the first century who lived in northern Greece in the town of Ephesus. And so he's encouraging them, he's instructing them, he's teaching them. And so we get to uh, also glean from God's word in that way. And so we're going to look at Ephesians 4 Starting with verse 7, let's read this through verse 16, and then we'll dive in. Uh, Ephesians 4, 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Father, thank you for your word. It's perfect, it's holy, and it uh, pierces, so sharp it pierces our hearts, and it teaches us and instructs us your ways. So God, we thank you for your perfect holy word. God, we come today as students. We ask your Holy Spirit to open our minds, our ears, our hearts, uh, so that we can learn from you, not just because we want more information, but we really truly want to live out the transformation you've made available in Christ. So help us to be good students and good um, appliers of what we're about to learn this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to come back to these three questions. Have you identified your spiritual gifting? Look at verses 7 through 10 again. It says, But grace was given to each one, each one of us, according to the measure of Christ. What's the next word? Gift. Verse 8. Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave what? Gifts to men. And so when we look at this understanding that, uh, one, God has given himself as a gift already. The fact that he offers relationship to us, people who are so fickle, who are so unfaithful, and he offers relationship, the, the, the gift of his love and his grace and his mercy, that although left to our own selves, we would not choose God, we would not love God, 
The fact that he's already offered relationship through him and forgiveness and restoration of that relationship through Christ. And, and when we think of Christ, we think of the gift, God's, God's gift of grace to us in Christ, that he would come and die in our place on the cross for our sins to restore our relationship with God. That's already a gift. But this, this grace that's being talked about here is not just a grace about salvation of our souls, but it's really a ministry grace. There's, there's, there's even more that he adds. How, how awesome of God that all he had to do was love us, and that would be enough. All he had to do was give us Christ, and that was enough. But he keeps on giving, and he lavishes his gifts upon us. And so we see that he gives these gifts to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, or as Christ has gifted us. And this is a reference really to spiritual gifts. It says that when he led a, a host of captives, he then gave gifts to men. And then it goes into this ascended and descended language. I want to unpack that for a second because it can be very confusing. What, what is all this, he who ascended, he who descended, what does that mean? Well, the descended element of this verse is speaking of Jesus leaving his heavenly throne as God the Son and coming to earth. The descension is the incarnation. God became flesh. And so he left the glory of his throne to come be here on earth in the lower parts of the earth. And that's what that references. And so he died on the cross. He was buried. He was raised three days later from the, from the tomb, right? The power of God raised Christ up. And then he walked around for 40 days, giving evidence that he was alive. And then it says here, he ascended. When we think about the gospel, we think about the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. Don't forget the ascension is part of the gospel. That he then ascended back to heaven where now he rules and reigns with all authority, interceding for us before the Father. And so he, he conquered death, he conquered sin, and returned back to his, his heaven as, a, as victorious king. And what's so beautiful about this, it's a nuance that we might miss, is that in ancient times, it was very customary, and still is kind of customary even now in some circles, that if a ruler conquered another ruler, then when they went back to their palace, they would then be presented by their servants all the spoils of war. Look what we're bringing back. Look what we accomplished. Look what we won. Look what we took. And so the servants would bring gifts to the reigning ruler as evidence of their conquering. But Christ does something very different. He conquers sin and death. He returns back to his king, uh, kingdom. And what does he do? He gives gifts. He's not waiting to receive them. He actually then gives gifts to his followers. This is God's grace. This is God's love. This is God's mercy where he, he lavishes us with these gifts. And what's being referenced here specifically are spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. Now what is a spiritual gift? Uh, I'm not going to take the time to unpack uh, all the spiritual gifts. Uh, you're a self-feeder. If you want to refresh that or if, you're, if you've never heard of these before and you want to look at like what are some of the spiritual gifts, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, turn to Romans chapter 12, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, and you'll see some of the gifts listed there. We, we don't believe that list is exhaustive. Uh, there, there may be more outside that list, but you'll find those in those passages. But a spiritual gift is a divine manifestation of God's presence and power in you and through you for the benefit of others, specifically the church and even those outside the church who, want to be, who need to be reached. 
And so uh, this is different than a talent or ability. Like all of us have talents and abilities. Some of you are really good with your hands. Like you can make stuff and you're, you're good at that. Some of you are very artistic. Some of you are incredible uh, musically. Some of you are brilliant like, like mathematicians. Like I can throw out some crazy math formula and you'll nail it. Like all of us have these like different talents and abilities. That's not the same as a spiritual gift. Okay, that is something that you inherited, right, from your folks, or you took upon yourself and you learned, you learned how to do this, and you, you had a passion for it, if you will, okay, you, you just enjoyed it, but that's a natural ability, a natural talent. Now, don't be confused, your ability to do that, God is still the source. God is still the source of whatever that ability is, that musical ability, that, you know, athletic ability, whatever it is, God's still the source of that, but this is different. A spiritual gift is when we come to the place where we acknowledge ourselves as sinners and admit it to God. We repent of that sin. We say we, we can't fix our life. We believe in Jesus as God's son who died on the cross for our sins and rose from the grave. And then we commit our life to following him. When you repent and let Christ in, the Holy Spirit of God then comes to live inside of you. He lives inside of us and he comes bearing gifts. Uh, at least one spiritual gift, maybe more. And so when you come to Christ, these spiritual gifts come online. They weren't there before. Now, they might work in tandem with some of your natural abilities, but this is a gift from God to be used for God among the people of God and so that other people can know God. And all of us who know Christ have at least one gift, if not more. And so this, this is what a spiritual gift is. Let me give you a couple examples of what that looks like. Now, Christ calls all of us to be hospitable. We're to use the resources God gives us to be hospitable. But some of you have this spiritual gift of hospitality, which is you have this heightened capacity and ability to be like super hospitable, okay? And so you are passionate and you love creating environments that connect people, make them feel loved, make them feel welcomed. And so you're hosting or you're inviting or you're going into environments to make them a place that has more of a hospitality type vibe. You got this spiritual gift of hospitality that you will use among the people of God and for those who need to know God. Uh, God's called us all to be compassionate and to have mercy on the vulnerable and and to those who uh, are the least, the last, and the lost. But some of you have the spiritual gift of mercy. And so you have this heightened capacity that's supernatural where the emotional, mental, spiritual, physical welfare of people, you really feel that. In fact, a lot of you have probably been doing overtime during COVID-19, right? And so you, you're, you have this just insatiable appetite to help people who are vulnerable and need encouragement physical help, mental, emotional help. And so you're calling and you're writing notes and you're making sure they have their needs met. And you're just, you're visiting people if, if you can get in. And, and, and that's where you're operating your spiritual gift of mercy. These are just a couple of examples of what a spiritual gift looks like. And so do you know your spiritual gift? What's so cool about this passage? God's grace for all and gifts for each. <laughs> And do you know yours? If you don't, let me give you a couple ways that you could probably try to narrow it down. One is, take a spiritual gift assessment. Uh, these are not like 100% accurate, but they're, they're pretty good. They, I think they do a good job narrowing down your potential gifts if you're honestly answering the questions. And so you can go to our website at cvconline.org and uh, look at the resource link and get it there. Or we've made it a little bit easier. In the four years, I saw a couple of you already had these. It's just a little card with a QR code. Just get your camera out, scan that. The link goes right to your phone. And then you can um, go online and just take that free spiritual assessment. And, and if you do that, 
Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your life group leader, hey, like, here's what I scored. What did you score? And, and interact with that. Another way is kind of an intuition assessment. It's to use what you're assessing and what others might assess in your life from a biblical lens to see where you might have your spiritual gift. So it's not on the screen, but if you're taking notes, this is what you're going to want to write. You write ability plus passion plus affirmation equals spiritual gift. So one, your ability. Like, what do you know how to do and you love doing it? Okay? So, so write, write that down or those things down. Then your passion. Like, where do you have a deep calling to help? A deep calling to, 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 to serve in an area that, that you just can't help yourself. You, there's just kind of that, again, insatiable appetite to, to serve in a particular area. And then affirmation. How have God's people said in your life, you know, I see this in you. Or uh, God uses you in this way. And you put those together and you may land in an area of giftedness. And so maybe um, it's teaching. And, and you love just to open up God's word and break things down and explain it to others. And, and you're passionate about that. And every time there's an opportunity, you're like, hey, I'll be a life group leader. I'll teach that study. You know, where, where can I use this gift? And then others, brothers and, Christ, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, will say, man, when you teach, like, I get it. Like, you, like, like, that just seems to be a gift of yours. Maybe those are your spiritual gifts. So do you know your gift? And if not, find it out. Because that's your sweet spot and where you need to serve in the body of Christ and that you'll feel very fulfilled in doing so. The second question, though, is are you using your spiritual gifting for ministry? Like, we probably all have given gifts to people and then found out later that they actually never used them, right? And there's a little disappointment with that. I mean, can you imagine, like, I don't know, pick something big. Uh, You give someone a car, a nice car, and you check in with them like six months later, like, hey, how's that car treating you? Oh, I haven't even driven it yet. You're like, what? (laughs) Give it back, right? Um, Like, you just can't fathom the idea of, like, I just gave you this amazing gift, and you're you're not even using it? God gave us something so much more superior in a spiritual gift than he ever would have given us a car. But some of us are not driving it. We're not using it. It's inactive. It's inoperable. And it's like, I believe there's, a, there's an expectation of God, like, I gave you this gift, now put it to use in the body. So find your gift and use it. Look at uh, verses um, 11 through 12. It kind of teases out why God's given us these gifts. Uh, verse 11 through 12 says, He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ, okay? So, so let's look at that. Let's, let's back up and unpack the apostle, prophets, uh, evangelist, uh, pastor, uh, teacher thing first. Not only did God give these abilities, these, these supernatural you know, abilities that are spiritual gifts, he also gave some specific people, some offices, what we like to call them, or roles as gifts. These people are gifts to the church to accomplish what God wants, and so the first one we see is apostles. Apostles means sent one, one sent by God. Well, when you look at the life of Jesus, when Jesus started his ministry, he handpicked divinely 12 men to follow him. They knew him, they loved him, they witnessed his ministry, they witnessed his death on the cross, they witnessed his resurrection, and they witnessed his ascension. This is unique, this is a unique office as apostles. And so when God built the church, he laid Jesus as the cornerstone. And then he, he used the apostles as the foundation off that cornerstone. And now we are all stones in the building that God is building off of that foundation. 
But here's the thing. There's no longer the office of apostle. Those men were gifts for a season. And once they died, they're no longer apostles. But watch out because there are people today who are claiming to be apostles. And they want to be called apostles. And they see themselves as apostles. Well, here's the deal. They did not see the resurrected Jesus. They were there to eyewitness his ministry. And that is not an office that is active today. And the problem with the people who are calling themselves apostles is they usually don't have any sort of authority that they're accountable to. I'm the authority of God as an apostle, so therefore you just have to listen to me because I have this authority. That, that's not a biblical teaching. Don't be fooled by that. That's not true. Second office, prophet. Now we know in the Old Testament, God used prophet to speak. Thus saith the Lord, this will happen, and, and here's what God says, and here's what's going to happen if you don't do this and that. But we even see in the New Testament, believers, the early church, did not have the Bible yet. The New Testament was not captured yet. And so they had the Old Testament scriptures, but the New Testament was really coming online real time. And one of the offices that God was using in the time was prophets. Uh, these people were speaking on behalf of God. They were downloading fresh revelation from the Lord that then was completed and packaged right here. And so we have all that God has wanted to speak to us right here in the Word. So the, the office of prophets no longer active. Now, there's the gift of prophecy. That's a spiritual gift. There are people that their ministry behavior or their ministry personality might be apostolic or prophetic, but the office itself is no longer needed because God has given us what we need in his word. So, but there are still people today that are calling themselves prophets, and they want you to see them as a prophet and call them a prophet. The problem is that can't be true because we no longer have those offices. And here's the danger of the people that are seeing themselves or the others see them as a prophet is their dreams, their visions, their uh, downloads from God are either on the same authority of the Bible or more. That's a problem, as you can see. So what happens is people that are following these prophets all of a sudden are often put in a situation where the Bible says do this, but the prophet just said do that. Now what do you do? Well, you better listen to God's word. And so, yeah, there's still prophetic voices through the gift of prophecy, but not the office. But the other three, we think, are still somewhat active on some level, maybe not at the same level as, as the early church, but the evangelist. We know there's still men and women today that are traveling the world with the sole purpose of just sharing Christ. You know, the Billy Grahams of the world, they just, they just want to go and share Christ. And so evangelist. And then we see these um, pastor teachers. Now, in the original language there, really this isn't two different roles. It tends to be two different words for an overlapped or same role. It's a pastor teacher. And so uh, that person is going to try to pastor or shepherd a local congregation to make sure that the disciples are growing and they're being cared for and, and all of that. And then they're also going to be teaching, instructing from God's word so that disciples can grow and make other disciples who make other disciples who make other disciples. And so the, these people were gifts to the church. And, and, and the, the confusion that we exist in today is that there's been this big dividing line between what we would say are the, the paid professionals and the rest who are the volunteers or the laity. But that's not really the construct you see in Scripture. There are those who do get their living from being in full-time ministry, but all of the church is equipped to do ministry. All of us are to be active in doing God's work. And some of our responsibilities just look different than others. 
And so uh, we need to make sure that we all understand there's not this hired uh, hand that's like you do all the work and then we just come and consume, right? That's, that's unfortunately invaded the church. That, the ideology that uh, I just get to pick a church based on my preferences and likes. And so um, I'm going to show up with the mindset of what's the church going to do for me? What do they have for me? And if they don't like it, I'm just going to go somewhere else. That's consumerism. And so when God built the church, he, he, he wanted a membership of contributors sharing. He didn't want a mass of consumers consuming. And quite honestly, I think what we saw in COVID-19, we've talked about this before, I think what COVID-19 has done is it sifted the church. And the committed have remained and the consumers have dropped off. Because, well, we don't like this, and we don't like this, and we don't like this. Well, you know what? We're not called to do what you like. We're called to do what God wants. And so you have to understand, this is, this is the posture of the church when you look at it through the Bible. And, but God's given us these gifts. Well, what are these gifts for? Again, look at verse 12. To equip the saints for the, what's the next word? Work of ministry. What for? To build up the body of Christ. So you have your gifts. God has given people to the church as gifts so that we can all be equipped to do the ministry together. We're all essential. We're all essential with the gifts that God's given us, and we're to use our gifts. And the reason we use our gifts is for growth. Now, for some of you, I just want to pause here and say, um, man, I am so grateful because I belong to a church who a lot of people get it, and you are using your gifts, and you are serving. Now, right now, all, all this morning and throughout the day, there's people serving up there and downstairs and that hall and that hall. Uh, there's people behind the scenes uh, serving, using their gifts. Throughout the whole week, there's going to be people leading life groups and doing other behind-the-scenes ministry and serving others. Like, this church gets it. But we know there's some of us here online and in the room that we're not using our gifts. And maybe today's the day that God's saying, it's time for you to stop being dormant and inactive and a consumer but activate the gift. Use the gift I've given you for this body and commit. Uh, if that's you and you're like, okay, what, what are my options? Uh, let me give you a next step for that. If you text the word serve to our CVC response number, uh, you'll get a link that has like different ways that you can serve, different areas that you can serve. I will tell you right now, probably the two greatest needs we have that still been impacted by COVID-19 is our guest services ministry where uh, we just need people to be, you know, those who have the gift of hospitality to help welcome and serve and greet and create an environment that makes others uh, feel warm and accepted and loved. That's an area that is, is important right now. And also our children's ministry. that uh, We still have people in both of those areas that feel cautious. And so we need to breathe some new blood into those areas to teach kids and teach children about Christ and to minister to them and meet the needs there. So if you're looking for immediate needs and you're ready to step in, there's a couple opportunities for you as well. But I think the big thing is, do you know your gift and are you using your gift? The third question is, are you growing and maturing in the faith? If we're all using our gifts, then I'm helping you grow and you're helping me grow. We're all going to be growing and maturing in the faith. The point of God's grace, the point of his gifts, the point of him equipping believers is that we will mature and grow and build each other up to be spiritually mature as individuals and as a community. 
And then what he does is he, he teases us out. The Apostle Paul teases us out saying, on the note of growth and maturity, here's four indicators that you're going to see if you're maturing in the faith. And so the first one, he says here, look at verse 13 in Ephesians 4. He says that you're going to attain to the unity of the faith. The first indicator of spiritual maturity is unity in the faith. That you will be dedicated to stand on what keeps you in common faith with your brothers and sisters in Christ, rather than focusing on what separates you from your brothers and sisters in Christ. An indicator of spiritual maturity is you have a fierce desire to see unity in the church. If you are growing in your spiritual maturity, you will grow to hate division. You will absolutely despise division in the church because you know what happens when the church is divided. It's less effective and you want no part of that, and you want to see it pushed out of the church. Hey, we're not going to all see the same way. We're not going to vote the same way. We're not going to have the same ideology. There's going to be some second and third uh, theological issues we're going to have different variances on. But when it comes to Christ, we're united, and we're fiercely united around who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so when we see someone who loves division, and they're sparking division, it's actually spiritual immaturity in the works in that moment. And so unity in Christ, unity of the faith, is one thing you'll see when it comes to spiritual maturity. The second is knowledge of Christ or the fullness of Christ. Look at verse 13 again. It says, And the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Meaning that those truths about Jesus that are essential, we will affirm together as family in Christ. There will be biblical unity that will be founded on Jesus as the objective truth claim. And we won't budge from it. And so the goal for believers is to reach this level of maturity. And as far as the fullness of Christ, remember Jesus was 100% God, and he was also simultaneously 100% man. And from his birth to his death, we actually see him model for us growth and development and maturity. And so we want to grow into the fullness of Christ. We want to grow into the fullness of what he modeled for us spiritually. And so we're going to see that taking place, knowledge of Christ and the fullness of Christ. Thirdly, another indicator of spiritual maturity will be stability in the faith. Look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We know that children are more vulnerable and susceptible to harm, that they're more naive and gullible to those who want to do them harm. And so we fiercely protect kids, at least we should be. Well, in the same way, uh, if you are immature in the faith, you're a spiritual child, which means you can be spiritually gullible. And if you're not rooted in, the, in, the, in the, the basic doctrines of the faith, then whenever you hear a spiritual idea that sounds interesting, fun, curious, more along the lines of your presence, uh, your preference, you'll deviate. You'll get sucked into these schemes. Oh, that's kind of, I like the way that sounds. I kind of like that. I think I'm going to do that instead. Or, ooh, well, I just feel like this one, right? Uh-huh. I just feel like this one is, the, is, is a better way to go. And then when you start to hear like spiritual conspiracy theories and spiritual false teaching, you, you kind of go with it. You don't know different. And so as we grow in our faith, we'll have more stability in the faith, which means we're going to be rooted to sound doctrine. We're going to know the word so that when we hear false teaching, we go, no, 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 that's not, that's not accurate. That's not biblical. 
I'm not going after that. Or when, it, when, when some of the spiritual teaching out there is very alluring and seductive, we go, ah, I see what's going on. We're more stable in the faith and we're discerning in the faith with that. And then lastly, another mark of maturity is speaking the truth and love. Look at verse 15. So rather than being tossed to and from like a, you know, waves and wind and the storm, speaking the truth and love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, I think we need to clarify something here. This passage talks about speaking the truth and love. The context is Christ and who Christ is and, and the, the doctrine of Jesus. That's the context here of, of the gospel. And so when we say speaking the truth in love, what it's really meaning here is speaking the truth, Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. Okay? Jesus is truth. God's word is truth. But here's where you've seen this phrase hijacked a little bit out of context. You'll see some Christians say like, hey, hey, you're a brother in Christ, and I love you. I just want to speak the truth in love. You're a little weird. Don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're just really an oddball, just speaking the truth in love, right? All of us have probably had someone do that to us, or we've done that to other people, where we kind of pick at something that might be actually based on opinion or preference or observation. It's not really about Christ. It may be accurate. It may be something like, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something I've seen in your life. Hey, that, that's okay. But when you say I'm speaking the truth in love, when is our opinion ever truth? When is my preference truth? When is my political ideology truth? It's not. God's word is truth. Christ is truth. So from now on moving forward, whenever you hear speaking the truth in love, it's speaking the truth of Christ in love. Meaning when we talk to each other about Jesus, when we, when we disciple each other, and when we share Christ with those who don't know, we're speaking about the truth. We're speaking truth in love. In a loving way. With love is the motive of our heart. These are aspects of spiritual maturity. And then we get this picture in verse 16 of what it looks like. The whole body, joined, held together. Every joint with which is equipped. When each part's working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All of us probably know what it feels like to have a part of our body hurt, not working, um, impaired because it got injured or because of sickness. The rest of the body suffers by the weak area. So if I have a gift and I'm not using it and I have an attitude that's not spiritually mature, then I'm actually hindering the body. But if we're all identifying our gifts, using our gifts with love, growing together in maturity, then our body's healthy and it's more effective. And we become the force that the world needs to glorify Christ and to share Christ in a way with people who so desperately need Jesus. And if you're here, or you're watching online, and that's not the church you've seen, I just want to apologize on behalf of Christians who just haven't behaved in a way that glorifies Christ. It's amazing how God uses imperfect people for his perfect plan. Please do not confuse a perfect God with his imperfect people. We're doing our best, and we will fail. But we keep getting up and trying to follow Christ every day. Amen? And so, have you used your gift? Do 
Do you even know what it is? <laughs> and are you growing and helping others grow? So uh, to, to just kind of... Um, to kind of make this a little bit more real, I want to bring someone up here to talk to me about this. Because obviously as a team, we talk about these things often weeks leading up to the teaching. And uh, a lot of you know Pastor Nate, and maybe a lot of you, most of you, you're experienced with Pastor Nate simply when he's leading worship from the front. Uh, but you don't always get to hear the heart and the experience of some of our other leaders in, in the ministry. And one of the things I love about Nate is, is he's really devoted to community and has a heart for community. And uh, we're all in life groups, and Nate leads and has been part of life groups for years. And honestly, we talk about this. The Sunday morning and the Sunday night, like there's a programmatic opportunity to serve with our gifts, but it's not always feeling like community. But in life groups, that's where you just get to sit and be with people and be in community, and you start to see the gifts emerge in a smaller context. And I really enjoyed what you were saying the other day, so I'd love for you to share with the congregation a little bit about how have you seen these gifts that we're talking about do exactly what we're talking about with growing the body and experiencing the smaller context. Yeah, I think, I think that's exactly right, that, you know, when we read scriptures like what Chad's teaching on this morning, we long to see this enacted within the church. And, and a lot of times on Sunday morning, it's hard it's very one-dimensional. You know, we're, we're hearing great teaching from God's word from, from our teachers, but there's not much opportunity for the body to interact. But within life groups, it's, it's such a perfect place uh, for spiritual gifts and for building up mutual edification to take place. Um, so, for, for instance, within our life group, the, the spiritual gifts that I see are wisdom encouragement, teaching, service, um, faith, and prophecy. And I see those, when we meet, I see how God's gifted different individuals within our life group um, to be able to edify the, the, the group and, and the church. You, and I think, you know, you, you might have some specific examples. And I know you want to be sensitive to all the names like, Make that even more real for us. Like, what are some examples of how you've seen that play out in your group? Yeah, so I'd love to give examples of each of those um, gifts that I see. Um, but for the sake of time, uh, one, one, of, one story, um, I'll tell you a recent thing that happened, um, was, was when, COVID, when COVID hit, there, there was a lot of things up in the air, and, and our kids' schooling was one of them. Um, and we send our kids to, I, I grew up in Latin America from age five to age 17. And so I wanted my kids to, to be able to learn Spanish. And there was a language immersion school that opened up in Cleveland that, where we send our kids. And we just love the diversity there. We love that they're learning a second language well as kids. And when COVID hit, one of the things that, that my wife and I started to struggle with is, well, how are they go- going to uh, learn their Spanish and, uh, and maintain what, what they've started and, um, and, and then, you know, the virtual thing wasn't really working out uh, great for our family um, since we had four small, uh, four small school-age kids. Um, and so one of, the, one of the ladies in our life group has the gift of prophecy. Um, and I was, talking, I was talking to her, and she's sharing what we're, what's going on in our family, what's going on in the situation. And she just said, you know, I think what the Lord's telling me is to tell you the Spanish is going to come. You don't need to worry about it. Um, and it's, it's like just what I needed, I think what my wife needed uh, to hear in the moment of just reassuring, okay, God's got this. And God's giving her the faith and the ability to, to speak into our situation right now in a way that's going to 
help us continue to move forward. Thanks, Nate. I know we even talked about as group facilitators, sometimes that person is the primary teacher. A lot of times, even in a, in a small group context, you start to see others that have the ability to teach and yeah. share. And, and it's, just, it's a beautiful thing to see the other gifts come online. So. Yeah, absolutely. There's times, you know, I, we show up, right now we're doing a life group virtually, which we can still share our gifts, um, you know, virtually as well. <laughs> it doesn't have to all be just in person through the season. But, um, yeah, there's times when, when you know, I'll, we'll open up a scripture and, and I'll just say, Holy Spirit, lead us through this time. Because I, I, I'm not going to pretend to understand all the depths of what the, God's word is teaching us. But there's people within the group that the Holy Spirit will use in the gift of teaching to share. And it just, it builds the group up. And, and it le- allows me just to rest in what God is doing within our group. So Others using their gifts builds the group up. It's almost like it was planned that way, huh? <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Pastor. That's great. So, so I think, you know, that's just another voice, another example of what this can look like. But it's, this is so important to our discipleship in Jesus. So again, do you know your gift? Are you using it for ministry? And are you growing in the faith and maturing and helping others do so as well? And if you don't know um, what your next step is, let me just give you some recommends. Just uh, go take that assessment just to find out your gift or get an idea what your gift is. Uh, text that serve number to start looking at some opportunities um, or text the word serve to that number, our CVC number, to find out some of the opportunities. And I just want to say, too, for those online in this room, if you don't know Christ, like let's just go back to the beginning about grace. That the greatest gift that God gave us was himself and, and the gift of Christ. And so you got to start there. Like these other things are, are, are like coming after that. But you've got to start with just admitting you're a sinner and surrendering your life to Christ and letting God repair his relationship with you and then letting him into your life and your heart. And that will be the first and most amazing gift you receive. And then the rest comes after. And so if that's something you know you need to do, I encourage you to text the word. This is the quickest way to get in touch with you. Text the word CONNECT to our response number, and we'll start a dialogue about how we can help you with your next steps to know what it means to follow Christ or find out more about following Christ. And for the rest of us, let's just pray that God takes this moment and converts it to heartfelt, authentic action based on what we just heard. So let's pray, and then uh, worship together. Father, thank you for your word again. Thank you for this reminder. Thank you that you're a God of grace. We praise you for your grace, your mercy. All these gifts are reflections of who you are. They're reflections of your character. God, we can have faith because you're faithful. We can have mercy because you're merciful. God, uh, we can have hospitality because you've opened up your home to us and have invited us in through Christ. So God, thank you for those realities. We confess, many of us here confess that we have not been using our gifts We've allowed them to just be dormant and inactive and not really being put to use for the church, for the community, and for those who don't know the Lord. So God, uh, bring conviction and repentance of that. Call us back into action. God, I do want to praise you for the men and women, the many men and women and boys and girls in this church that are using their gifts. They are helping uh, all of us build each other up into the people you want us to be. So God, we thank you for that. God, take this time and and turn it into something that will glorify you, 
Reach those who don't know you and grow us all who do. We ask in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen. Amen.